Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Patient Podcast. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. When my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, I decided to use my skills as a journalist in a different way. Frustrated by the lack of information on science and the inability to get different expert opinions, I decided to quit my job at the Wall Street Journal to create a better platform for people impacted by dementia. We are a community where news and information is created by our team of journalists. We ask tough questions and we simplify the science so that anyone can understand. We don't only cover disease, but delve into the latest research on what it takes to keep our brains healthy. We invite the experts and ask your questions. Here's today's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Got it. Got it. Okay, so I just pressed got it, and it's setting up my meeting for Facebook Live. So, okay, you're live. Okay. Hello, everyone. Sorry for the technical uh, difficulty, but here we are. Uh, welcome to patient, uh, Being Patient Live Talks. I'm Mark New, a reporter at Being Patient. Now, after almost two decades of stagnation, uh, two new drugs Alzheimer's hit the market in the last three years. They were groundbreaking treatments, uh, anti-amyloid monoclonal antibodies, which fight Alzheimer's by attacking deposits of beta amyloid protein in the brain, uh, bolstering the theory that uh, clearing amyloid plaques can slow the disease. Uh, I must add that one of those drugs, Aduhelm or Aducanumab, which gained FDA conditional approval in June 2021, was taken off the market this month. But the latest monoclonal antibody drug, Donanumab from Eli Lilly, is currently in phase three clinical trials. The FDA is expected to decide early this year in 2024 whether to approve it. Uh, so we are very fortunate to have someone who took part in that trial with us now. Lou Niles joins us to talk about his experience and answer questions. So listeners uh, out there, please ask away. Lou, thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, first of all, I think on our mind is, you know, how did you even find uh, the trial to take part in it? Well, I've been uh, searching for an opportunity to deal with Alzheimer's. And I had the beginning stages that at least I thought I had. I lost uh, the ability to do math like I used to be able to do, and uh, spelling and pronunciations began to fade. And of course, some memory issues. Um, my mother died from Alzheimer's, so this is what put me on alert that I probably was carrying the gene. And I was tested both by the K2 lab where I participated in the study, as well as I used 23andMe to find out many years ago, and they notified me that I had one mutation of the two mutations that put you at risk for Alzheimer's. And uh, so I came across the study on social media. I think it may have been Facebook. I can't recall. After all, I am in an Alzheimer's study. So that happened to be in fairly close to me in Orlando, about an hour and a half away. And so I called them up and they tested me for several other studies associated with Alzheimer's, but I didn't meet that criteria, but I did meet the criteria to try to eliminate amyloid protein from my brain in search of the correct dosage. So I'm in the study phase 
trying to determine this to direct, I mean, the correct dosage. And March will be my year anniversary where the CT scan, the MRI, and blood analysis will determine whether this stuff worked for me or not. Um, there's a small percentage of people, of course, where this may not work. Now, this drug doesn't fix anything. It merely stops, hopefully, the progression. So the damage already done, I'm stuck with. And that's where it stands today. At the half year anniversary analysis, I still had the amyloid protein and was not eliminated. It was not eliminated enough. Now you don't get to hear the details of the study as a participant. You just get generalized information because it, it part of it is very blind. And even the K2 lab employees do not get any detailed information of results. So how old were you when you, uh, at the start of the trial? I would have been uh, 70, 76. Mm -hmm. And you had had uh, a cognitive impairment for, for how long before entering that? I would say starting in my late 60s, I became more aware of it. I now, what I learned from my mother's experience is she had it for many years and nobody noticed. And I noticed it one time in visiting that the only thing she was eating was avocado sandwiches. She would not fix food anymore. That told me there was something wrong. But even then I was in a state of ignorance. Um, and then she was later diagnosed. So my father, um, was having issues with pancreatic cancer during this really serious determination that my mom had Alzheimer's and uh, he died shortly thereafter. So um, it, it, this is a horrible disease. So she went to my sister's house in New Mexico and they, because she, my sister thought she could take care of her. You can't take care of it. You, you can't be a caregiver for this type of disease. It becomes extremely burdensome and difficult. And so uh, she went into a specialized nursing home that handled this disease. And that's where she was until she was about 68. She passed away. So when, what was it like actually, I mean, to, to submit for the trial? Was it a difficult process to get into the trial? No, I have a little bit of a, a medical background. I was a paramedic firefighter in San Diego, and I also became a naturopathic physician. And so I really am interested in studies, independent of my situation. And I'm always willing to use my body as an experiment. So when I heard about the study, I, I there's two motives. One is if I can contribute to the finding of a solution, yeah, let me participate. And the second thing is maybe they can do something and arrest this progression. The K2 lab that I'm using is full of remarkable people and supportive people. And actually you build relationships with everybody and, and you become friends with everybody. And so it's like a visit with friends every time I go there for my IV. And I found it very helpful and very supportive. They happened, by the way, 
when you get in these studies, you get several hundred thousand dollars worth of studies. MRI, CT scans, blood work, uh, EKGs, physicals, all this kind of stuff. They found a left bundle branch block in my heart in one of their analysis with an AKG, which I would have never discovered. And so you can, they also find other things going on in you besides just this particular aspect of the study because of all the clinical lab work that goes on. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, so tell us about uh, this particular clinical trial. I mean, for example, you know, how often do you have to go and how much time does it, the treatment take? It's broken down in a couple phases. The first phase, it was every two weeks I had to go in for an IV. That was a short-lived phase. Then it went to once a month. And then it's based on how many weeks, and I can't recall the details on that. But every so many weeks, you get an MRI, brain MRI, functional MRI. And then you get, uh, at, at the halfway mark, you get the CT scan, the blood work, and the MRI to see if there's any reduction in the amyloid protein in your blood and your brain. And if you fail that particular phase, then you continue on for next half a year. At that milestone, they haven't said it directly, but if it doesn't work, my interpretation is if it hasn't really done that much for me, it's not going to do that much for me. Um, it's been very successful in the first several phases of the trial. Um, there are people in the study that really have uh, obvious Alzheimer's symptoms. Um, some are severe. Um, I don't know their status, of course, and and I know that um, we've been told over and over again, don't expect miracles with this because it doesn't fix the brain if the brain's already been damaged or the nervous system's been damaged. So uh, that's, I guess that's what, what it's like. It's, it's really a pleasant experience to have these many people taking care of you. And this is particularly important for people that don't have insurance medical health care insurance. What a gift. What so, did you, did you have any side effects? None. No side effects at all for me. So, um, and my understanding, it's super rare for side effects to begin with. And I can, I cannot remember, I asked if any, there was any serious side effect of any of the clients and in the entire world, this is a world study, by the way, and I was the first one in the study, by the way, there, there hasn't been any serious uh, biological damage done by anybody in the study. There was a, there was a person that passed away, but they, they, it was, there was no correlation with the medication. And you'll get that that issue because you're dealing with mostly elderly people. So you said you you chatted with other participants in the trial too. They're in the room when you're getting an IV. The IV room has got like uh, ten chairs. So yes, there are other patients will come in. They'll be sitting next to you and, and things like that. 
And what did you hear about their experiences? Were they very similar to yours or did, were there others that had side effects? What's really weird about that is we no one ever talks about that. I, I can't explain that. Uh, we sit there and chit chat about small stuff, but we don't really go into our individual cases uh, because each person is so different and at different stages. Um, you know, it's not that common people lose their ability to do math or spelling early on. That's a that's a rather strange symptom for me. And 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 the clinicians said that's not common as well. Memory is usually the first trigger. But people are always suspicious of memory issues because it comes along with aging. And the problem I see is people wait too long to be curious. You always have to be curious. If something weird happens to you, you got to figure out what's wrong. You don't wait for it to deteriorate to the worst degree. In fact, my big fear is if this progresses, and I reach that stage where I can't make decisions for myself, that line, I, I don't know what I would do. Um, I don't want to go to the advanced stages of Alzheimer's. And, you know, there's other recourses I could do if I'm cognitive enough to be able to make decisions for myself. So I saw a sense of urgency in this because of that. I never wanted to get to that line that my mother went over and was lost forever inside herself. What do they tell you now in the next step? Um, uh, they continue to follow you or what are sort of the follow up uh, steps? There is. Um, there is a separate study by somebody independent of the lab that's doing follow up after you leave the study. Um, Lily is not going to follow. I, my understanding is Lily itself will not not be following the participants' health from that point on. Although there is an organization that is doing that, but I think it's an independent. I I believe. Um, by the way, I want to bring this up too because some people might wonder if they have to travel any great distances or stuff to do this. You are paid. You're given a stipend for each visit, you're given mileage, and you're giving you're given $30 uh, a day you visit for lunch. And that's allowed me to have some sushi. So that's a good benefit for me. But it, it, you're, you're not gonna have really a lot of out-of-pocket expenses. Now, if you have to go to a CT scan or an MRI facility separate from the and K2 lab doesn't do that, uh, my understanding is you don't get those benefits at that point. You're on your own. So it sounds like overall quite a pleasant experience, but you're not sure whether it had any real effect on you. No, the only way I'm going to know is, is when they reveal the CT MRI and blood test in March. What else do you think you learned, um, you know, maybe about yourself uh, during this experience and, you know, what to keep in mind during the development of these drugs? 
I have a sister who I have pleaded with to get into a study, but she's she's in New Mexico, and I think Albuquerque would probably be the closest place. I some people don't want to know. I I have learned through this that you have to be very proactive if you are at risk for this disease. I changed my lifestyle. As soon as my mother got really bad off, I changed my lifestyle to be supportive of my uh, brain and nervous system. How I eat, what I do, exercise, all this. I was trying to arrest the risk long before there was a discussion about medications. This was going on in the late 80s when I first, my, my mother was diagnosed. So my acts in life made a big change when I learned that I had one of the genes and my mother was affected, which made me assume I had one of the genes. That's how proactive you have to be if you really want to tangle with this disease and you think you're going to, then there are those, of course, that just, you know, hope and a prayer and don't pay any attention to it. And just, you know, life's life and I'll end up that way. That's the way I'm going to be. But it's a horrible, horrible experience, not only for you, because eventually you go into, into the abyss and you don't know what who you are or who anyone is around you. Your family is terrorized by this disease absolutely terrorized and waiting for the results of the trial so um you know what are your hopes about the future are we sort of realistic hopes uh, for this drug the drug is it's been relayed to me has been effective and that i have a good chance to have cleared my body of the amyloid protein that's what i'm hoping on that's what they're hoping on and i i will know in march um, and that's my focus. I, I think I'm going to walk out of this thing um, better for it. What would you say to somebody that's interested in, in, in doing a clinical trial? Any clinical trial for any disease, if you can get into it, it's extremely beneficial from a medical perspective, independent of the actual thing you're going after. They scrutinize you and analyze you and they will find all kinds of things that you becoming aware of you can attend to and get fixed um fortunately fortunately for me my heart disease was not that detrimental it's very benign actually which i find very strange um i was exposed to agent orange in vietnam and so i am on I, I'm I'm on a uh, short list of all kinds of diseases, including cancer. So in my situation, I am particularly vigilant about my health overall because of that. Um, I think people have to look at their risk. They have to really look at their zip code, where they live. Really counts about their long-term health and longevity. You know, if you live near a freeway or you live near a pharmaceutical, I mean, a petrochemical plant, you should be getting checked all the time for all kinds of things. That's the thinking I adopted out of fear initially and then curiosity 
um, because I'm always curious about everything in medicine. And I don't buy into the necessary conspiracy theories about pharmaceutical companies. There's there are researchers and scientists there that are really, really wanting to do good, um, independent of the profitability of any kind of medication. This, by the way, probably will be an expensive drug. And it, since it can be only administered by IV, you'll have to go to an IV center. I don't know what those costs are because I'm getting everything for free. In fact, I'm getting paid to do this. So, um, did that answer your question? Well, Lou, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, very insightful and uh, good for people to understand the process better. Um, and thanks to our audience for uh, tuning in. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on beingpatient.com, where we'll keep you up to date on all the upcoming talks. Lou, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. See you next time. Thanks. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on upcoming interviews, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at beingpatient.com. That's B-E-I-N-G-P-A-T-I-E-N-T.com. And send us any feedback you may have, whether it's someone you want us to interview or any comment about our podcast series. You can do so by emailing info at beingpatient.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn.